Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 259. Thought this was going to be a short one, but turned out to be a massive amount of content. Starting off with my own ideas and analysis, wrote a piece called Analysis of the Recon Attack Service Management Space, where I basically go over all the different tools in that space and different companies and um, really talk about which subspace they play inside of and how those different subspaces are going to kind of unify into what I call attack surface management, which is also what Asset Note calls it. So that's that piece if you want to check that out. I wrote a summary of Phil Wiley and Kim Crowley's new book on how to become a penetration tester called The Pentester's Blueprint. And I've got that over in the book summary section of the site. Wrote some freeform thoughts on Ayn Rand, objectivism, and other big ideas, and how they kind of have advantages and flaws, and kind of looking for a unified theory there, and a little piece on the rise of home theater, and how we're kind of moving away from regular theaters, and people would rather just do that at home. Security news. Sunburst is a name you're going to be hearing a lot about this week. Russia's APT-29, also known as Cozy Bear, has evidently hacked multiple U.S. government agencies and corporations through malware implanted in SolarWinds asset management software. It's a supply chain attack. This is the same group that hacked the State Department and White House email servers during the Obama administration, and according to FireEye, the hack against them that you heard about last week was part of the same campaign. So the FireEye hack from last week, which got their, you know, their red team tools and whatever else they got from that was done through the SolarWinds attack. And SolarWinds software is used by more than 300,000 organizations around the world, including all five branches of the U.S. government, NASA, and the NSA. And this is going to be a very early test for the new Biden administration in terms of how aggressive they're going to be towards Russia, both publicly and behind the scenes. So this is probably the story you're going to hear about the most if you work in information security throughout this week. Someone has released a massive dump of data on members of the Chinese Communist Party. This is evidently quite a bit of content. It's a giant spreadsheet, basically. And uh, I was going to link to the spreadsheet, but it's easy enough to find. And I, I don't know, didn't want to participate directly in doxing, even if it's not a group I'm particularly fond of. But the content also shows not just who they are and some information about them as people, but also where they're stationed and basically located and wh- where they're living and working, you know, around the world. 
And this is pretty interesting because a lot of light is being shed on, okay, why are they stationed in these different government locations for foreign governments or foreign corporations around the world? And it's causing people to ask, how in the heck is a member of the CCP working in our organization? Which I think is a great question to be asking. NSA is also warning that Russian state-sponsored attackers are targeting companies using the recent VMware flaws as well. So, and the SolarWind stuff, obviously. So yeah, a lot of hacking coming out of Russia. So it seems the soccer ball defense that was executed by Trump in Helsinki was not effective. Truecaller says spam calls grew 18% this year. I'm always torn on these types of reports because Truecaller is a company that sells spam prevention software for phones. So they're putting out a report saying spam is way up. I used to just outright reject these types of studies, but then I realized, hey, wait, who else is going to do the study? You need someone to do it, and you obviously have to have someone who's incentivized to do so. And that's why you have so many corporate-sponsored talks at all these conferences. Like, I used to be really upset when you go there and it's like, oh, so-and-so is sponsored by FireEye, so-and-so is sponsored by CrowdStrike. And like all these talks are from people who sent someone there to do a talk. Then you realize if that wasn't the case, how many talks would there be? I don't know, probably less than half. I don't know the numbers and it depends per conference, but turns out there's not enough incentivization necessarily for completely independent people to actually go and create good content. So maybe it's just part of the calculation you have to make, like what percentage of this talk is because they are that company and what percentage is pure research. The U.S. military has picked 16 sites and has started vaccinating troops for COVID-19. And GitHub has rolled out dependency review, vulnerability alerts for pull requests, and dark mode. really think the stuff that GitHub is doing is quite awesome. I think a lot of the standalone security tools that are being used are just going to become you know, integrations with GitHub. If everyone's using GitHub for code, which a va- vast majority of people are that I know of, then really the story is going to be how do I get my software security tool integrated, whether that's SAS or DAST or IAST or whatever it is. So I think the fact that they keep rolling out more and more stuff, this reminds me a lot of like an operating system, like a mobile operating system or like Microsoft or something where everything stands off as an individual piece of functionality, but eventually it ends up in a platform. And the platform here is GitHub because that's where the code lives. So so it seems like the path forward for all these software security companies is integration with GitHub. And that raises the question of what stops GitHub from just replicating that functionality. Also reminds me of Amazon in this situation, right? You have all these cloud security groups coming out with features that they want to implement on Amazon. Meanwhile, Amazon is just improving the security features that they have natively. So it's functionality moving towards each other from two different sides. Eventually, they're just going to meet in the middle, and you can't help but think that the platform is going to eventually win. 
Vulnerabilities, 33 flaws have been discovered in millions of IoT device TCP IP stacks. A lot of them very old and just very buggy. And a lot of them are just basically unpatchable. QNAP, NAS servers continue to have problems and this time with XSS, I think linked to like multiple different CVEs, just a really bad mess. If you have a choice of buying a NAS, especially if you're trying to connect it to the internet, might not want to go with QNAP. Don't like to really disparage products like that, but they just seem to have a whole lot of technical debt to solve. Accounts with default credentials have been found in over 100 GE medical devices. Companies. Dragos has raised $110 million to secure industrial systems. Congrats to Leslie and a whole bunch of folks I know over there. It's a great job. Palantir has won a major FDA contract to help review and inspect drugs before approval. Orca Security raises $55 million to scan cloud infrastructure and produce a data flow map that it monitors for security. At Bay, out of Mountain View, raises $34 million to do cyber insurance, which is expected to be a $23 billion industry by 2025. And lots of different cyber companies out there, right? But their particular focus is on monitoring customer systems, like in real time, basically, and reducing the chances that they get compromised. And they claim that their customers have insurance claims at half the rate of other companies. So I think this is definitely the way to go. Myself and Jeremiah have been talking about this space for like, I don't know, close to five years. Actually, no, 2014, so like six years. So exciting to see a Bay Area company doing this in what I believe to be the right way. And Salt Security raised $30 million to protect APIs from attack. Technology news, Amazon launches HealthLake, a platform for storing and analyzing petabytes of healthcare data. Got a quote here. For example, HealthLake leverages natural language understanding and ontology mapping to identify whether a patient has been properly prescribed a drug, pulling out information from blood glucose monitoring systems, physicians' notes, insurance forms, lab reports, and more to inform its conclusions. This is super exciting to me. I think this is the way so many things are going. This just happens to be healthcare related. And I just wrote a piece called Amazon will dominate through 10,000 small bets, which I did not mention in the intro, but yeah, I've been busy uh, being off for a while. So I've written a lot of essays and this one's very short and just talks about how Amazon, rather than having an R&D department, they are an R&D company. I mean, they're just churning out a massive number of small bets, which they try. And if it doesn't work, they kill it. And if it does, they fund it more. Like, it's just insane. I mean, I've been covering this stuff for like five years and I don't see nearly as many small bets or little startup ideas or little just things that they throw at the wall coming out of any company compared to Amazon. And I think that's why they're going to win. I think Amazon is basically going to be like earth infrastructure before too long. I think governments are literally going to 
just look at them and say, hey, can you get me out of this pickle? Like, I can't deliver anything. The post office fell apart. Healthcare is a mess. Like, what do I do? And Amazon's going to be like, yeah, no problem. We just bought Walgreens and CVS, and uh, we're better than the post office and whatever. We put UPS out of business and FedEx. So we'll just deliver everything, and we'll implement healthcare, and we'll provide the network for the doctors. And it's like pretty soon Amazon is running the world, and we've basically got the exact scenario described in countless pieces of you know, cyberpunk and sci-fi. And we're not saying it's going to be horrible. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to be horrible. There will be horrible aspects to it, no doubt. But it also is going to be cool. It's likely to be efficient. And the only reason it will happen is because, you know, the government is failing to do it. So that that's why the opening will exist. But seems like this is definitely the direction things are going. When you have this much innovation, this much capitalism, this much dynamic creation happening. I just don't see how they don't win. They will be broken up like multiple times along this path. But even as they're broken up, these separate companies, I think will be providing this infrastructure for most people on the planet before too long. What, how long is that? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Who knows? No, Nobody knows. I don't know. But I don't see how governments or other corporations can really compete with this level of innovation. Speaking of that, multiple government groups are coming after Facebook for anti-competitive practices. But as Scott Galloway has pointed out many times, this could actually be good for investors if properties like Instagram and WhatsApp are broken out. I mean, they're still going to be functioning companies. They're still going to be powerful in their own individual space, and they're still going to make money. So... It'll just be kind of like having your stock split or something. It's like what you used to own and being purely Facebook will now be owned in two or three companies and they'll still be individually profitable. Red Hat has killed CentOS. I think it's super sad. I think in like 10 or 20 years, it'll just be Amazon Linux and some hobby distros like Arch and Gen2 and I don't know, Slackware. Oracle, Palantir, HPE, and now Tesla are moving out of California. And many see this as a rejection of California's extremely high taxes and restrictive regulations. Combined with its deteriorating infrastructure and inability to solve bad roads and homelessness. And many of these companies are moving to Texas, which has less of all those problems. And Cruise is starting to test driverless cars in San Francisco. And this comes right as Uber sold their driverless business to someone else, because evidently the last mile was really difficult. But Cruise is still doing it. Waymo is still doing it. And one or two other companies are still pushing for this last little bit to finish. So I really hope it does get solved. But I think it's likely to, as a lot of other analysts are saying, you know, take another five to 10, even, even longer number of years to get this last mile, even though we made a lot of progress to get to this point in the last five years. SpaceX has received $885 million to provide U.S. rural areas with internet. C3.ai 
stock doubled after its $650 million IPO. The company basically manages the process of spinning up the use of AI within a company, which I always thought was a brilliant idea. So it basically handles the whole life cycle for you from ingest to management to model creation to model deployment. Arthur.ai has raised $15 million to monitor the performance of ML models over time. And Squire, a barbershop tech startup, has tripled its valuation to $250 million by providing customer management, scheduling, and contactless payments for barbershops. Human news. The U.S. has approved the Pfizer vaccine, and millions of doses are being shipped immediately. Obviously, there's a priority there, but super exciting. UK did it first. Now the US is doing it. And uh, this thing is moving fast. Nobody thought we would be deploying vaccine in December. Well, some people did. Some people thought it would be sooner, but everyone said, no, it's going to be like a year and a half. And we went from, uh, what was it? March when the US really figured out this was a problem? March to December. That is remarkably fast and Hopefully the rollout goes well and we have some other vaccine options coming up soon and uh, nothing happens to slow down the rollout and uh, we can get back on track. A lot of people are saying spring to summer for basically everything to kind of smooth out and get back to normal. And they're also saying, of course, that even with the vaccine starting to be deployed now, the next three months uh, two to three months is going to be really bad. It's probably the worst that we've seen. So we've got to hunker down and get through that. And then hopefully spring or summer, we start uh, improving and pulling out of this thing. Gallup says 63% of Americans would be willing to get an FDA-approved COVID vaccine, which is up from the numbers it had before, 63%. I feel very excited and very depressed about that number. I mean, it's over 50%, so that's nice. But 40% of people don't want to get vaccinated. Okay. Plastic surgeons appear to be thriving because people want to fix how they look on Zoom calls. There's a super exciting study out of UCSF that has reversed age-related mental decline in mice within days. They have this drug, which they administer, and it could do things like reverse trauma, head trauma injuries. Like it, it, That also causes cognitive decline, and they say that head trauma injuries basically act as if you had cognitive decline for multiple years. And they were able to administer it to, to mice that had had this head trauma and basically get them back to how they were before. And it happens like basically instantly. So people are super excited about this. But again, in mice is super important here. So obviously there's a, a lot of road to travel before this is great news for humans. Wall Street now has a water futures market just like gold or oil. And this is super frightening to me because that's what you do when something is precious and rare and it's hard to get and people are fighting over it. This is, once again, this is sci-fi. And also this is completely unrelated to the release of Dune, 
in 2021. Hopefully. All right, got a quote here from this Atlantic article on how COVID spreads. Jimenez told me that compared with yelling, quiet talking reduces aerosols by a factor of five. Being completely silent reduces them by a factor of about 50. That means talking quietly rather than yelling reduces the risk of viral transmission by a degree comparable to properly wearing a mask. This is super cool. Uh, I heard someone describe this as basically saying COVID-19 is a talking disease, which is a really succinct way to put it. Obviously, it's not perfectly accurate, but yeah, I think this is really interesting. I think it also helps explain why bars are especially bad because you're crammed into this tiny box. Everyone's slightly drunk and they're standing right next to each other, basically screaming at each other which is, according to this, just horribly bad because you're producing massive amounts of these, you know, small particles or whatever, and it just turns the whole place into one giant lung. People are starting to look into the use of MDMA in couples therapy, and specifically where one of the partners has suffered from PTSD. Disney launched around 10 new series in the Marvel and Star Wars universes, and their stock jumped 15% on the announcement. And related to that, HBO Max has hit 12.6 million activations. And this comes right before the Wonder Woman release, which I think is on Christmas. And Cohn, or Coan, just raised another million dollars to help build its OKR and status software, which I think is super cool. I'm excited about OKR software. I'm excited about OKRs, honestly. I didn't really know this was a space, but yeah, it's called Coan. Updates. So I'm enjoying some time off from work, but doing so quietly because it's not like I can travel or eat out or anything. And I just purchased a new audio interface called the Apollo Twin X, which I'm not using right now. This is my old rig but I will be trying it out instead of my Rodecaster Pro, which is what I'm currently on. And this is all in preparation for transitioning to a true music creation setup in the near future, within a few months. And I'm also going to be tinkering with Luna, which is a DAW from Universal Audio, which is who makes the Apollo Twin. And I might also be trying to do podcasts in that instead of using Hindenburg, which is what I'm using now. And uh, I'll probably also be messing with the other main DAWs, which are Logic Pro and Ableton 11, once that comes out of beta. And what I'm currently reading, Atlas Shrugged, still, because it is a monster of a book. I am like 25 hours in, and I'm like halfway done. And I'm also reading Anna Karenina, which, again, that's another almost equally long book. I think it's a little bit shorter than Atlas Shrugged but they're both just absolute monsters, like War and Peace level. And I'm also reading Homeland, the UL book club of the month. Discovery. CrowdSec, the modern replacement for fail to ban that I've been talking about for a while, has released their version 1.0, which includes a new local REST API, which allows you to deploy it in different enterprise configurations. 
Got a compilation here of publicly accessible web shells. Article called Kafka is not a database. Got a guy who wrote a blog post about how he's switching from WordPress to Jekyll. Then he spends half of his time in the the post describing how he needed to create half of the basic features that WordPress has manually. Like he's like, well, but since I can't search any of my posts, here's how I'll manually create a post search feature. And oh, since I can't do categories, maybe I'll create one from scratch, you know, a categorization system. And I'm like, you just described how it's going to be easier for you to use like this new system, Jekyll. And then you describe how you're going to have to hand roll all the features that you had before. So my prediction is one of two things. Either he stops blogging or he comes back to WordPress very quickly. And this reminds me of a post that was recent. It was actually a cartoon or no, it was a a graph basically that showed the, the comparison of how elite your blogging platform is um, on one axis. And then the other axis is how often you blog. And basically it was like old generic, dumb versions of WordPress, obviously that are updated and it had the highest number of posts. And then like the more elite, like Jekyll, Hugo, custom written static site generator that you have, the fewer times someone posts. And that has absolutely been my experience over what I started doing this in 1999. And that is exactly what I've seen happen. The more you talk about your platform, the less you talk about actually writing. Set your GitHub display preferences. Shopping cart theory. This thing is wonderful. You have to check it out. A defense engineer gives more detail on the microwave weapons likely to be used against U.S. diplomats. This guy actually did this work for the Defense Department and describes like what Russia and China probably have for capabilities there. Follow your curiosity by reading your butt off and finding the source. And another post related to curiosity, to listen well, get curious. And these are all external links that I didn't write, but that's why they're in the discovery section. Recommendations. More is my favorite short film and probably my favorite piece of art ever in any medium. It is five minutes long. Please watch it. I really think it might improve your life. And that's, that's strong words, but it's really true. It's called More, capital M-O-R-E. And the aphorism for the week, the first and hardest step to wisdom, avert the standard assumption that people know what they want. The first and hardest step to wisdom, avert the standard assumption that people know what they want. Nassim Nicholas Taleb. All right, thanks for listening. And if you like what I'm doing, head over to danielbesor.com slash subscribe. We'll see you next time.